0: One afternoon, Susie, the plant, and I are sitting in my living room and I'm perusing the interwebs when I see an article by a celebrity on how she cries in the shower so her kids don't see her in pain and worry about her. It got me thinking about my grief and my kids and the blessing of sharing my grief with them. I decided to write a letter to this celebrity in my journal. I didn't actually send it. Sharing my experience and how I came to see grief as a gift especially when shared. That letter and more coming up on today's episode. How do you forgive when the wound is still open? How do you leave a legacy of redemption instead of dysfunction? How do you trust God when your deepest fears are realized? Join me, Sarah May, along with some wise mentors along the way as we explore these and other messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. The day his plane crashed was March 7th, 1988. I'm 8 years old with shoulder-length curly hair. I look like Orphan Annie, thanks to an 80s perm. I'm standing with my dad next to my grandmother's car window, and I observe her teary-eyed panic. Grandfather had left this morning in his P-51 Mustang, Dolly. He was headed to the Sun and Fun Air Show in Lakeland, Florida, to perform. He was a formation pilot and had been on the U.S. Precision Flight Team. My dad received a phone call asking where my grandfather was. He was missing. I'm sure he's fine, I say. I don't understand why my grandmother's so worried. My dad calls every airport between State College, PA, where he flew out, and Florida to see if a P-51 Mustang has landed or had engine trouble. Nothing. Finally, my dad and a friend take a small plane and go looking for him. My dad finds him on Pine Grove Mountain, Among the plane wreckage. We later find out the plane went down approximately four minutes after he took off. Dad tells me grandfather flew his plane into heaven, and I wish I remembered those words, but I don't. I remember being in our front yard and my stepmom putting her arm around my shoulders and saying, You know your grandfather's dead, right? I'm sent to a neighbor's house for dinner. I don't know if they know, so I just sit there like a ghost. Trying not to be seen. There's a heaviness around the table, so I work hard to act fine. Death is hanging in the air, and it's suffocating me. When I'm finally in my bed, in the dark, I cry. But apparently the sounds of my grief are too loud. My stepmom comes to my door and asks if I'm crying. The question has no comfort attached, in fact, it's accusatory. I tell her I'm fine. She closes the door. I must not show my grief. I must keep it quiet. I learn in this moment that to be vulnerable is to feel shame. I learn to hide my grief and let it burn me up inside, pretending it doesn't even exist. Grief is an interesting gift, one I don't learn to unwrap until my 20s, when I'm in college and I can't hide it anymore. Grief has burned me up because I don't know what to do with it, I don't understand how it works. How it needs its process. I just know I'm sad and angry and I can't fix my pain. I take myself and my mother issues and my secrets and go to counseling. God has tenderly led the way. Through counseling and mentors and the constant gentle guiding of God, I learn slowly how to grieve. But there's always more to learn because the reality is grieving is an experience. Years go by. I have a family, but I no longer have my mom. On the one-year anniversary month of my mom's death, a strong gust of grief swirls over me. For whatever reason, this grief prompts me to get in my van and drive to the nearest grocery store. While tears are visibly streaming down my face in the store, I look around and think, I need a plant. I don't know why I feel the urge to buy a plant, especially since I am known for killing all plant life. But grief is weird and pretty impractical, so I roll with it. I pick up a pretty large-leafed plant—I have no idea what kind it is, I still don't—and I check out. When I get home, I set my plant near a window and ponder it. Then I declare its name to be Susie Hope. My mother's name was Susan. I'm completely aware of how weird this is. But like I said, grief is weird. The plant is still alive over two years later. The name has shortened to just Susie. Every time we say something like, who watered Susie? We laugh and we all know we can never let Susie die. One afternoon, Susie, the plant, and I are sitting in my living room and I'm perusing the interwebs when I see an article by a celebrity On how she cries in the shower so her kids don't see her in pain and worry about her. It got me thinking about my grief and my kids and the blessing of sharing my grief with them. I decided to write a letter to this celebrity in my journal. I didn't actually send it, sharing my experience and how I came to see grief as a gift, especially when shared. Here's the letter. Dear fellow mom and mourner, I read your article today. The one where you say you cry in the shower and not in front of your children because you don't want them to see you in pain or think you're not okay. You want to be strong for them. Give them an anchor so they don't get swept away in your grief. You said you remember always worrying about your mom because of her pain, and you don't want your children to worry about you like that. You want to protect them and not cause extra anxiety. I get that. I love how you want to protect them how thoughtful you are of their tender hearts. My children hate seeing me sad or mad. They want me to be happy, to smile. They need to know that I'm okay because if I'm okay, their world is okay. But what about the times when I'm not okay? What happens when the walls cave in and the heart explodes and ache can't be hidden? What then? Sometimes we carry our own childhood fears and experiences into our parenting without realizing it, and other times we are quite aware of it and we make vows to protect ourselves and our children. Maybe something like, I will never let my kids see me sad or crying. Or maybe if you don't have kids, I will not burden anyone with my pain. We believe we're protecting them, but I think maybe it's possible we're avoiding the opportunity To teach them about pain and grief and how to express it. Sometimes we need to teach our kids how to be human, how to feel and process and not hide, how to be naked and unashamed in our grief. There's wisdom in being aware and not laying our heavy burdens on little hearts not ready but I think it's good and helpful and kind to let our children see our humanity and our grief and healthy ways of dealing with it. After my mom died, I read up on how the Jewish tradition dealt with the death of a loved one. I read the importance of setting aside time to grieve in practical ways. For example, the grieving Jew does not go anywhere the first week after death. This is so the grieving person doesn't have to put on airs, They can cry freely whenever the grief hits. They can lament without hiding or pretending. I needed to practice this, and I canceled all our weekly obligations the week my mom died. I told my children I was taking the week off to grieve freely. I explained to them that at times they would see me cry, and that it was okay and they didn't need to worry. I told them it was normal and good to grieve and that the frequency of my grief wouldn't last forever, but that I needed to feel the ache as it came. And then, when the grief hit randomly, and I cried, I didn't hide it from them. I told them I would be okay. I wanted them to see the truth of grief, so that one day, when they grieved, they would know it's not shameful, or ugly, or something to hide or run from. It's a part of life, of the human experience, of sin and death in this world, and also of the hope that one day there will be no more grieving or death, no tears or broken hearts. I want them to feel when they need to feel, cry when they need to cry, and scream into their pillow when the pain is too great and they feel like their whole body is going to explode from the fire of it all. They can't learn how to do that. If I save it for the shower, you know what else can't happen if I save the show of pain for the shower? I can't let them, my children love and comfort me. And they miss the blessing of comforting another person. The gift of a child's comfort, I am convinced is straight from the heart of God. Their little arms showing us his arms. The comfort of a child is overwhelming and healing. My youngest daughter, who was seven at the time of my mom's death, felt with me. One afternoon, during that first week of grieving, I was going through pictures of my mom, and I started crying. My sweet little girl, who knew this was okay and normal and not going to last forever, held a little fabric angel in her hands that hospice had given me. She was looking at it, and at me, and she began to cry gently. She was feeling my ache. She came over, sat on my lap, and hugged me, and we cried together. We both wept for the loss of Grandma Susie. Did my girl feel her own pain at the loss of her grandma? I'm sure, but she didn't know my mom. Not really, because my mom moved away when my daughter was a toddler. But she felt and grieved anyway, and it was so dear. And after we cried and hugged, we wiped our eyes, kissed, and carried on. We were okay. Together. This is the gift of grief, the healing comfort experienced through the tender intimacy of shared vulnerability. And to experience this gift with your child is nothing short of a precious and rare grace. If you are listening and you are feeling the burning, maybe due to the death of a loved one, an unfulfilled dream, unmet desires, or the loss of something sacred, innocent, or unspoken, and you're unsure of what to do with your grief, my encouragement to you is not to hide, but to let it have its way all the way through. Feel it, embrace it, and know it won't last forever. The pain is not going to kill you. I know it feels like it might, but it won't. And you don't have to go through this alone. If you get a chance, check out the show notes, where I have some scriptures and some other resources to encourage you. Next week, I'm beginning a new series on marriage and the complicated nature of two people tangled up in a vow marred with abuse and infidelity. You'll hear one woman's story of how she left her marriage, and you'll hear from couples who stayed in them. None of it's easy. All of it is complicated. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not. So please, if you like the show, take a minute and give it a review. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out sarahmay.com forward slash the Complicated Heart Podcast. See you next time.